wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. you give birth? Have you considered home birth? And why or why not? In our documentary, Orgasmic Birth, you not only see people who choose to give birth at home, but Tammy and Bill gave birth outside on a deck too. There are so many things to consider when choosing your place of birth. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of Orgasmic Birth, the podcast. Today's guests are Sarah and Matthew Bivens, and they're going to share their personal home birth story and how they're preparing for their upcoming second home birth. They also have a wealth of information for you to consider if you or someone you know is preparing to give birth. Sarah and Matthew Bivens are the creators of Doing It at Home, a platform for empowered home birth content and community. The Doing It at Home podcast started in 2016 when they were pregnant with their first child and switched from a hospital birth to a home birth halfway through the pregnancy. Both balanced lifestyle coaches prior to becoming parents, Sarah and Matthew have taken their past coaching experience and married it with their passion for home birth to make it doing it at home the ultimate space for home birth empowerment. Together since 2012, Matthew and Sarah currently live in Marietta, Georgia with their daughter, Maya, and are pregnant with their second child due later this winter, coming soon, winter 2022. So welcome, Sarah and Matthew. I have to just say, I love your podcast, Doing It at Home, and I hope everybody listening here will jump over too, and we'll be giving all the links and information at the end, as well as in the show notes. So I'm really excited to welcome you, and I know today you're excited to tell us not only about your first pregnancy and birth, but about doing it at home for the second time. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. This is so exciting. And it was so exciting when you joined the podcasting world too. I was just waiting and waiting. And so when I got that email that you were coming in, I said, yes, awesome. So to have us here now in this space, it just feels you know, very full circle. And I love every conversation we get to have. So this is just another fun one to add to the mix. Yes. Thank yes. you for having us. Thank you so much. And for those that don't know and are seeing the visual, I love that you have oxytocin behind you. So like you can feel, <laughs> first of all, your glow, Sarah, being pregnant and the two of you so deeply inspiring others and then coming together to share your journey. Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to kind of each share a little bit of your perspective when I just read that halfway through your first pregnancy, you actually chose to make a switch from your planned place of birth. Do you want to just talk about that and take us through a bit of that first birth? Sure. So a synopsis of the switch, I think comes down to a couple of things. It was multifactored and it started with just being open to looking at birth differently. 
than how we had been raised or taught or what previous context and paradigm we had around birth. And it was like these little cracks that then opened up greater windows of opportunity and understanding to what possibilities lie in an experience like birth. And so we began to question and wonder and have conversations and the, the tipping point for me was watching a DVD series called happy, healthy child. And in it just featured so many beautiful people, such as yourself commenting on what birth could look like, sound like, feel like. And I was just blown away. I was transformed. That was a huge paradigm shift for me. And I just thought, okay, I don't know if we're where I'm going to give birth, but I know I want something like that. I, I want to create this kind of experience. And that took us down a path of, of talking to people, talking to really smart, great people that, you know, we knew through our community and degrees of separation. And that landed with us meeting with a group of midwives who we really enjoyed and, and appreciated. And it, it just, things started to click and, and align and not all at once. We definitely had some back and forth and, and questions and fears and what ifs, and ultimately landed with, this is just what resonates with us most in terms of the intentional environment that we want to create, the experience we desire to have and being healthy, low risk and desiring multiple things that aren't impossible in any hospital setting, but at the time we're not going to be available to me and we're not going to be conducive for what we wanted. And so, you know, we're big believers. If you can't find it, then create it. So, so that's what we did. So that was like the switch in a, in a nutshell. Would, would you say I encapsulated that? Yeah. No, that well, was, okay. That was great. I think there was two big things about um, our personalities that went into why we made a switch. Um, one of them is just years, years prior to us even getting together as a couple, we have been doing, I guess you call it personal development work on mm -hmm. ourselves um, and really just questioning a lot of where our beliefs come from. Yeah. Are these beliefs that we hold that are true to us or are these beliefs that other people gave us that we just you know, bought into and have never examined? So um, birth and where to birth and how to birth was one of those areas where um, I come from a family of doctors doctors and nurses. So being in hospitals and seeing things done through that institution was very normal to me. Um, and so when it came time to figure out and envision and imagine where I and my partner would help you know, bring life into the world, it was just natural to go to hospital. But then because Sarah and I are, are open to questioning why we do things and examining things from different ways, different lenses, um, that kind of allowed us and made it easier for us to say, you know what, maybe the hospital isn't for us. Um, and then I'd say the second thing that really helped us to um, get to the point where we were confident to make a switch is that we're also very intentional with, as Sarah mentioned, um, thinking about an experience that we want to have. You know, mm -hmm. if we're going to go on a vacation, let's, let's imagine you know, ourselves in that vacation and how we want to feel and what we want to experience. Same thing with birth. It's like, okay, let's, let's get intentional about what we want our birth vision to be, and also how do we want to feel? And so we literally made a list in mm -hmm. this case. We made a whole list of all the things that that Sarah and I wanted to experience throughout our birth. Um, and we brought it to, at the time, our OBGYN. And he looked at the list and just said, no, you can't do that here. Whether it's for his own, because of his own comfort level mm -hmm. or the hospital policy. And so that became very easy for us to say, mm -hmm. okay, cool. If you're telling me that in this location, in this way, we, our vision can't be realized, then we're comfortable searching elsewhere. Mm -hmm. 
So those two things really helped us to arrive at the point where we knew very clearly that home birth was for us, just continuing to question what we thought we knew about birth, what we thought we knew about all sorts of things, um, and then getting very clear on our intentions and our vision. So that led us to halfway through our pregnancy say, hey, you know what? Home birth is for us. And we worked through some fears sure. and some what ifs and some concerns, uh, but ultimately we landed two feet very firmly on home birth and we've never looked back. It's fantastic to hear your journey and how you both were able to come together. And I love that you said, address those fears, be intentional, really envision and ask good questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like knowing ahead what you were going to get. But I heard you also say that you come from a family of kind of medical providers. Can I just ask quickly, like, what was their response? What was the broader response you got to that decision from your family and friends? So it was interesting. I think both Sarah and I were wondering which family members were going to be in support and which weren't (laughs) and same with friends. And so you might think that because my parents were nurse and doctor that they would be not for it. However, it was the total opposite. They were hundred percent down. They were like, wow, that's, that's great. Do you? And my mom asked if she could attend. And so she was actually present Mm -hmm. for, for my daughter's birth. So um, that was a blessing. And, you know, I think for me, I, I kind of, my parents have always stood behind whatever it was that I was interested in pursuing, um, particularly things that kind of went against the grain, whether it was what I wanted to study in school or what careers and different things. They were like, go and pursue what's interesting and, and what you're passionate about. So I wasn't shocked that my family, my parents um, were supportive. Um, however, it was still great to get that validation and that, that, um, that just that recognition from them. Um, and then, you know, we had a different experience with Sarah's family. Yeah, my bit. side was a mixed bag, but definitely contained the most vocal non-supporters. <laughs> and <laughs> I, it was great practice, even in the yeah. midst of it, while it was frustrating, I can look back on it with gratitude because it allowed me the opportunity to stand more firm and convicted in what we were choosing. Mm. Because if I was going to allow that to, to waver me or us, then, then maybe there were some more things for me to look at some more doubts and fears and such that, you know, could be plugged into, you know, if if, it could only trigger me if I had a trigger to, to get at. So, uh, you know, and to hold a space of love and understanding and that we don't always have to have agreement on things like this. And really when you make choices like your birth, I mean, that's just the beginning. That's the tip of the iceberg. Cause then you have a human that you're making choices for and raising that people have a lot of opinions on that too. So it was really great practice in that sense, but it was mostly just around the safety or the question of the safety. And it really came from, um, uneducated places of just fear and, you know, masked in, care and love for me and us and baby. And and I can understand that. But when, when I would offer any sort of education or really open, let's dig in their conversations around addressing the fears you are sharing, no one was really interested in going further into that. So if no one was interested in shifting their perspective or being open to seeing, you know, the possibilities or things that could answer to what they were bringing, then you know, if I don't experience a lot of willingness there, then that makes it easy to keep it moving. So, yeah. so that's what we did. And, you know, just things like, you know, will you really be able to handle the pain? If you were born at home, you wouldn't have made it because of a uh, nuchal cord, which wouldn't, you know, when we did, 
go in for the home birth and our midwife shared all these beautiful videos of births of their clients. One of the first ones we watched was a nuchal cord and it just like just what do you know we hear those stories all the time unwrapped it and there the baby is pinking up so just just things like that that uh you know and then has empowered us to to hold that space for others you know and Mm -hmm. doing it at home that is a big thing that comes up in our community when you get that pushback when you get the fear when you get the judgment from friends and family you know people who are close to you and are going to stay in your lives, most of them for extended periods of time, how to navigate that. So I think it just allowed it, it gave us that perspective so that we could be more empathetic and compassionate for others too. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that journey. As you know, so many people go through that. So it's really great to hear. And I love to ask everybody. So I'm going to ask you just when you think about that birth, your first birth of Maya, and I'd love for each of you, what are two words? If you had to just pick two words, and I know that birth is full of so many things. And then after that, I'll let you tell a kind of brief story about your birth, but what would be your two words? I wonder if we might overlap. I know it's mine. okay. Magical and transformational for sure. Mine are powerful and peaceful. Okay, cool. Oh, I like that. All beautiful words. So can you take us and give us kind of by no birth stories, right? We could tell the the two days story, but can you give us as short as short as you can um, overview of what your birth of Maya was like from each of your perspectives? Sure. Yeah, I I can start and then maybe you can fill in any gaps from my labor land uh, memory. (laughs) So I would say in all, it was 12 hours from beginning of active labor to when she arrived Earthside. And the first more than half, maybe two thirds, we were just together alone in the house, which I really love. And I cherish that time and that memory and that, that moment. It began late at night, about 10 PM and just couldn't go back to sleep. Couldn't lay in the bed, went to the, the bathtub in our bathroom, stayed there for a while we played soft music. We had soft lighting and it was just us together. Matthew affirming me, us talking about coming back to a space of gratitude in the experience, even at times when it might've felt hard or it might've felt challenging, or I might've felt tired that, you know, we could find the gratitude. And so he was a really great space holder partner and coach in that sense. And we had a large team. We had assembled a large team for this birth and everyone's position and role was very intentionally chosen and everyone was very clear on how they were serving. So we called our midwife, spoke with her. She came in with two apprentices Mm -hmm. and all their gear and everything. (laughs) And really were just flies on the wall for the most part, which, which was great. And, you know, checked in every once in a while, asked me how I was doing, got me into the, the blow up birth tub, where I spent the majority of my time, I like going to water when I'm emotional or feeling icky or whatnot. So water is very healing for me. And I found I could ride the waves and the sensations more effectively in the water. And then over the course of the next few hours, the rest of the team trickled in and that was comprised of Matthew's mom, as he mentioned, and one, two, three, four others, Mm -hmm. four others. Um, Again, you know, to so support Matthew, hold space for Matthew. We had two dogs at the time, you know, if anything was going on with them to help clean up, to help get food. Because one thing I had heard about leading up to birth was sometimes birth partner could be completely wiped 
at the end, you know, dad was just toast at the end of the birth experience and, and that's okay. But, you know, because he was so on deck the whole time, you know, he forgot to eat and, and go to the bathroom and, you know, drink water and things like that. So I assigned one of the team members to kind of make sure Matthew was fueled up so that he could be there fully for me. And then about 10 AM, you know, the sun had come up. I now haven't slept, haven't eaten really. That was one of the things about home birth and being unattached to anything. I said, I want to eat and drink freely. And I just was not interested in food. And uh, about 10 AM, it looked like things were, were, we were, we had all the green lights Mm -hmm. and I was fully dilated. I was starting to feel those urges, but it was a little foreign because I hadn't experienced that before. So my midwife did assist me a bit with feeling into that sensation of bringing baby down because I wouldn't learn until later that she was at a negative two. So she hadn't even fully engaged. And yet here we were, you know, bringing her, bringing her down fully dilated. Yeah. But fully dilated and, you know, feel, feeling like it was time for her to come out and about 40 minutes of, I had active pushing that's what resonated with me. When I got the sensation of what it felt like to assist her in moving down, I thought, oh, I'm ready for this. It's been 10 hours of letting these waves bat me around. I can ground myself now and I can take a little bit of charge, so to speak, with this experience. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. And just brought her down and out. And she was placed on my chest when she came out. The whole room was just like you could taste the energy. It was Mm -hmm. so, so full of joy and awe and wonder and brought me to the bed because there was a little bit more blood than they would like to see, but quick shot of Pitocin in the leg. And there she was on my chest and really just (laughs) shell-shocked in in the most amazing way that, you know, here's there now here's this human lying on my chest and we made her and she's here. And one of the things I'll, I'll always remember as well is we sang happy birthday to her not long after she arrived and she's lying on my chest. Everyone just very softly, you know, the sun's only been up a little while and here she is. And yeah. So that's some of how I remember that day. Yeah. <laughs> so it beautiful. Was... And let's hear Matthew. It's always great to hear partners perspectives. Mm-hmm. It, it was a, it was a beautiful day. And, you know, my two words are powerful and peaceful and as Sarah mentioned, when everything got started, it was the end of the day. And then, so it was so quiet. The rest of the world was asleep. We just had soft music, candles, and it was just the two of us. And that, that went for six, seven, eight hours of the experience, which was amazing. I wouldn't change a thing. And even though in our, in our, you know, envisioning of the birth, we thought it would be during the day. So we were planning on going for walks and dancing (laughs) and eating, but the nighttime was so perfect. Our dogs were asleep. And it was just literally like it was the three of us, myself, Sarah, and, you know, the baby who's about to come out. And so that's what was so peaceful about everything and quiet and still. Um, And then slowly things started to pick up. And as things slowly picked up, the team started to arrive, as Sarah mentioned. And then the, the part of it that was incredibly powerful for me was when Sarah was pushing she was sitting on a a birthing stool Mm -hmm. and I was sitting behind her on a yoga ball. And what was comfortable for Sarah was for me to kind of have my arms around her shoulders and she could brace and push into me. And so just feeling her raw power, every push for 45 minutes as she pushed forward and I was bracing, 
I mean, she was just, she hulking it out. It was incredible. It was incredible. And I, I remember at one point, like my biceps were, were so on fire. Just my, <laughs> my body was tired. You were sore the next day. You said. Oh yeah. I was sore for, for, you know, probably one or two days, just, <laughs> just because of how long I was holding. It felt like so long. And I, and I thought, wow, Sarah is, I'm just bracing. Mm. Sarah is moving this baby down and Sarah and Maya are doing it together. So just the power, you know, I, I've, I've known Sarah as an athlete. She's always been um, into, into fitness. We've worked out together and done physical things together, but that, like that experience of being so connected to her while she was bringing this baby out, um, incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. And a couple moments stand out for me. Um, one moment a little bit before the pushing was when the, you know, the, the pressure waves, the contractions were really flowing and mm -hmm. Sarah was in the bathroom and she just had this one moment of like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. You know, just that, that, what, what do we call it? The crisis of confidence, the crisis of confidence. And it was, it was wonderful because we had prepared for this moment without specifically preparing for this moment. And what I mean by that is we've done, we did a lot of trust building between us, mm -hmm. you know, like that's foundation of our relationship. And once we got pregnant, we just continued to ramp that up, just trusting each other and, and, and being there and affirming. And we did a hypno hypno babies course and that built even more trust. So in that moment where Sarah had the crisis of confidence, you know, she said, I don't know if I can do it. It was like, okay, we got this. You just let go. And we got this. And that was it. It was a quick moment for Sarah. And then she was whoop, right back in the pocket. And then, so that was a very powerful moment. Um, and then when baby came out, they had Sarah stand up off the birthing stool and blood just splashed on the ground. And um, I saw it. And so when that happened, you know, the midwife was in the front because she caught Maya and the two, two assistants were near and they said, okay, everybody back up out the room. And, you know, Sarah was in the, in like the bliss of just yeah. having given birth. And so my, my paternal instincts just kicked in and they moved Sarah over to the bed. And um, I wanted Sarah to focus on Maya. You know, I didn't want her to focus on what was, what the midwives were tending to. So I kind of positioned myself between Sarah and the midwives. And so it was the three of us and, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I saw the blood. So I'm like, okay, there's something that, that they're, they're tending to. Um, but just to be able to, to, to be there and to continue to create that cocoon feeling and Sarah just focused on Maya. And as Sarah said, they gave some Pitocin and everything was fine. Um, and that was a very powerful moment for me because as soon as that was complete and everything was cool and thumbs up, I just like let let it go and just started crying. And I went up to everybody in that room and just gave them a hug. Like, thank you for being there to support us and to help this experience happen. Just went to every single person and left tears on their shoulder. Mm. So that's where this experience for me was very powerful and very peaceful at the same time. And Maya didn't cry for three days. <laughs> she came out, she made two little... Yep, yep. Yeah, just to and let that was us it. Know. She didn't cry. She's had her eyes open and looked around. So she was the embodiment of peaceful. Mm. And um, she's not so much like that anymore. She got so much energy now, <laughs> but it's fantastic because there is still this element to her of being able to get into that peaceful space. Yeah. So it was a it was a beautiful experience, top to bottom. Thank you both so much. I mean, I'm getting a little teary eyed because your words are so powerful and magical and peaceful. Like I love the words that you chose and 
all that your birth asked of you. And I like that. I've never heard crisis of confidence. That's Mm. a beautiful saying, you know, where you're, you know, we all, everyone in labor, right. Can be allowed that moment of doubt, but to be able to look into the eyes of those that hold that confidence for you. And sounds like Matthew, your piece really was there to guide Sarah in so many ways. And I love that you had this big team that was supporting each of you in different ways too. You planned so beautifully. So now we're, you're expecting baby number two, but I know it's been a journey to get there too. Do you want to say a few words about kind of the journey to this pregnancy? Yes. I mean, so Matthew mentioned trust in our relationship. And then once we felt things were aligned to create another human, you know, to, to get into that active space about it. We had been talking about it for a while. I mean, of course, once one arrives, you think about what it, what it would look like to have another or more. And we, we got into that space of alignment. It felt like life It felt like us. It felt like Maya, you know, we were, we were creating the space, you know, for another, And that was about March of 2020. Okay. So we became clear on that. And we thought, I thought we conceived Maya the very first attempt, if you will, the very first, yeah, the very first, once we were clear, we, I knew the days that were possible. We went for it and we were pregnant the next month. So I kind of had a little bit of that going in. Both of us. Yeah. Okay. So both of us did. I was just speaking for myself and it didn't look like that. And a few months go by, a few more months go by, a few more months go by and talk about trust and faith and surrender. Those are the words that come to mind when Mm -hmm. I think about the journey and those looked different every day, depending on what was going on. It, it manifested and felt different in my body, in my, in my spirit, in my mental and emotional space. And it was two years. It was a two year journey. And along the way, you know, we had different conversations like, do we want to get this checked out? Do we want to get this tested? Do we want to, you know, have this examined? And we had one semen analysis. And then I looked into just making sure I was ovulating and you know, various things to kind of check for optimal health around fertility. And we just weren't getting any answers. And that was one of the epic challenges in and of itself was finding peace and not having an answer when there just might not be one. And it's not necessarily about our time. It's divine time and it's, it's the process. And So that, that was a, you know, a daily choice, you know, what, what did that look like? And what did that feel like? Is there anything you want to add to that or say about that? Yeah. It's interesting talking about it now being on this side, on the other side. Yeah. At times it felt like a very long two years Yeah. because again, we got, we conceived Maya immediately. And so over the course of, I'd say that first year and a half, you know, we would every two or three months, we would try something different. What I mean by that is you know, first we just said, okay, we want to have a baby. Let's start trying to make a baby. A couple months go by. Okay. This isn't, you know, this isn't happening in the way we want. So let's now start tracking ovulation. So we had a, a tracker on the refrigerator and we would track ovulation and that started to really eat at the intimacy of the experience and yeah. the organic nature, because 
it just felt like, okay, Sarah's ovulating. It's Tuesday at noon. Let's go make love. And regardless of not whether either of us was, you know, emotionally into the act, it was like, no, we have a job to do. And it started to feel like a job. Mm. So then a few months of that and a few breakdown conversations and just, just being real with each other, we shifted to a more less, I don't know, what, what would you call it? It was like a, it was like a tracking ovulation by the moon and the tarot. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a more astrological. It was approach. an astrological approach. And yes. so we said, let's try that once again, <laughs> another calendar on the refrigerator. And, you know, we just, we were, we got into the doing of it. Yeah. Like we got into the, okay, let's check off a list. If it wasn't this, let's try this. If it wasn't this, let's try this. Mm-hmm. And slowly over that year and a half, the conversation of there's a reason why this isn't happening right now. And if we can get to a place of trusting that reason and surrendering things wanting to happen on our time, we might just find ourselves in a more joyful experience of this whole process. Um, But it took us 18 months to get to that place. And, you know, again, we tried all these things along the way. We said, let's do a semen analysis, which initially I'm like, I don't want to do anything medical because I don't want to even start going down the slope of medical intervention and this and that. Um, but I was open to a semen analysis. And so those results came back. And of course, I'm like nervous. What, what the hell is it going to say? But um, came back fine. So then by the time we reached that 18 month mark, I would say our faith really started to grow and we stopped trying so much. Yeah. We stopped like, let's try this, let's try that. And we just kind of relaxed into it and really started to remind ourselves that there's so many amazing aspects of our lives right now. There's so much for us to be grateful for. And if we're spending a lot of our emotional bandwidth lamenting over what isn't happening, then we're missing what is happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, that took a while for us to get there. But when we did, then we started to do even more family dates with our daughter. We had a room in our house that we kind of had earmarked as a baby room. Mm-hmm. And then we said, you know what? Let's not do that anymore. Let's move forward and create this beautiful room for Sarah. So we painted it. We put up you know, curtains and new furniture. And it was like Sarah's meditation room and work room. And it really was when we let go that it happened. Yeah. When we let go and we stopped trying to control everything and we stopped trying to know everything and we just got back into trusting and flowing, then, you know, then it happened. So, you know, again, on this side of it is sort of easy to kind of look back at that process and say, yeah, of course, but it, it was tough. It was tough. And we had a lot of tough conversations and you know, there's tears on Sarah's end and frustration on my end, but we just were willing to be open about it and talk about it. And we talk a lot about it on our podcast, just being very real um, and our faith. And, and, and by faith, we mean like trusting and surrendering. It just went through the roof during that time. And so we continue to work on keeping that high because, you know, you never know what what can happen. So just the idea of being present, being grateful. Um, that's one of the beautiful things we got out of this process. Thank you so much for sharing, because I know there are many people listening that may be in that journey right now, right? Mm -hmm. Or have faced it. So it's really important. We often don't do as much talking about what the journey to conception is for those when they are pregnant. So I really appreciate you both sharing. Thanks for asking. Now. You're planning another birth, doing at home number two, right? Yes, yes. I'd love to hear from each of you. Like, are you preparing in any different ways? Do you have any expectations the same or different to welcome this little one? 
Yes. I would say it's a mixed bag and I'm so grateful that we get 10 months to, to go through all of this and to process, because I mean, I think each month, each couple of weeks has brought with it just different circumstances to, to look at, whether it's physical, like being pregnant the second time I feel have felt everything sooner and felt bigger and felt more uncomfortable, you know, way earlier on than I remember the first time. So there's all the physical aspects. And I would say this pregnancy has been more physically challenging just in general. And there's emotional components, there's mental and just logistical, you know, we do have a child, we have an almost six-year-old. So thinking about what life will be like postpartum and being entrepreneurs and what life will look like postpartum. So I've, I've looked a lot more at the postpartum experience actually this time around than thinking about the birth, like especially earlier on, I was like, yeah, yeah, birth's going to happen. Of course it has to, baby's going to be here, but what are we going to do after that? <laughs> That's what I need help on. So it was, it's more of those, those conversations, even with two years to prepare, you know, you think, that's another thing that's beautiful. Just to comment on that, anything that you're playing for, anything that you're open to wanting to create in your life, there's the the process around it. And then when it's right there in front of you and it's your reality, that's, it's a, it's a different, it's a whole different bag. It's a whole different thing, how you will be experientially, you know, you, you might've had all that time to prepare for it. And yet, you know, here it is right there. How are you going to be? So you'd think, well, you had two years to prepare for this. And maybe you have your ducks in a row and it's like, yes. And there's still, you know, the reality of it that sinks in. So this, this planning for this birth, one thing that's really cool is to know off the bat, we were doing a home birth, which was different from the last time. So to know from the very moment we found out we were pregnant, calling our midwife, you know, that same week getting on the books, you know, because midwives, I love it, are booking up a lot these days, which is amazing. So making sure that they could fit us into their busy schedule. And so just knowing that intention from the beginning that it was going to be at home is, is really beautiful and it has, it has a different air to it. And, you know, knowing some things, having been through a birth, listening to thousands of hours of birth stories and holding space for others to share their births. Sure. There's some stuff that's come up, like things I didn't know. I didn't know, or things I didn't know before, or, you know, things I might not have experienced, but I know others do some of that chatter is there a little bit. And, you know, where, where do I get to kind of remove myself from that a little bit? Like it's one thing if I want to, as a pregnant woman, go out and seek out this kind of content, but it's another to be kind of immersed in it with work and with what I do and the space that I hold. So it feels like a small taste of what I could imagine a birth worker who is pregnant kind of experiences possibly, you know, just being in the space, but you're also having your own unique Mm -hmm. experience in it. So, you know, just navigating that. And one thing that I can feel in an upgrade in, so to speak in this pregnancy is the intimacy and attention to pleasure and sexual energy and being very tuned in and tapped into that and making that a priority with just who we are as humans and how we've evolved since having Maya and just in the, in the day to day to, to really prioritize that, especially, you know, we've, we've prioritized us, our union, our marriage, our partnership in becoming parents. And so now that we're going to add another child into the mix, it's how do we keep that as well? Because, you know, we're, we're the basis from which 
the household is going to function. So it's imperative for us to, to keep that intimacy and connection high. So I've felt very orgasmic, very sensual, very tuned into that goddessy, you know, creator and your energy throughout this pregnancy. And I very much am playing for bringing that into birth. And I see this birth being a little bit more intimate and a little bit quicker. I would, if I could put that in the pun, not that, I mean, 12 hours, it, it was, it's still all a blur, but like, if we could shave a little bit of that time off, that'd be, that'd be cool. And those are some of the like, things just kind of off the top of my head. What are you, what have you been feeling or thinking or, I mean, preparation for this one has been very different. Yeah. You know, didn't, we didn't know what we were, what we were about to experience and face first time around still with, with that, you know, I felt incredibly confident going into the first birth. So now I feel supremely confident, I would say, going into the second birth um, to the point where there's I threw out an idea sort of loosely, like, you know, we could do this ourselves and just have a totally unassisted. Yeah, yeah like he, he did put it out birth. there. Um, and, uh, you know, a big part of that is prior preparation for Maya. We watched and listened to maybe a dozen different births from the DVDs and different things we've had over 300 interviews with parents on our podcast, over 400 episodes total. So the amount of birth conversation we've been in and just being in pregnancy and birth consciousness is just through the roof. So Mm -hmm. we've heard so many stories and we've heard so many scenarios um, and all of them have contributed to my vision of what we will experience in our birth that, um, you know, we talk about in our, in our doing it at home, being prepared, confident, excited. And I'm like, Mm. all of those things is exactly how I feel. So the preparation this time around has been preparing our daughter. Yeah. This is what, you know, do you want to be at the birth? And she said, yeah, I would love to be there. Or she actually asked us first. Yeah. So then we said, okay, let's, let's get you prepared for what sounds mommy might make and what might happen and what the baby looks like. So she's watched her birth videos several times. We've done little exercises where Sarah has made noises that will be similar. And, you know, initially our daughter was like, nope, this I'm is out. too loud. I'm out. She's like, I'm going to so, leave the room then. I said, that's fine. You yeah. can leave the room then. <laughs> so preparing her in that way. And then also, you know, we don't know what it's like to be parents of two. Yeah. You know, I'm not, not sure what that experience is like. So there is newness in the preparation in that sense. Um, but like, it was interesting. We actually had to have a conversation where, we were like halfway through the pregnancy kind of realizing, yeah, because we have a little one right now and we have all these businesses, it, the pregnancy hasn't been the focus of our lives, you know, where the, where the first time around it was like daily, the pregnancy was the focus. Now the rest of life is. So we've had conversations where we've said, okay, let's kind of slow down a little bit. Let's take time to, to bask in this pregnancy. So, you know, that has been sort of preparation as well in terms of, really taking this experience in and enjoying and soaking up all these months um, as we are a trio before we become family of four. So preparation has just looked different. Yeah, It's looked different and excited for all of it. Really. You know, I I feel so excited for, for all of it. Incredibly grateful. And just, I've loved being a dad. I've loved every stage of my daughter's life. You know, every stage has gotten more fun. And I'm so excited to do that again, to experience that all over again, just from the day one fresh baby with the, you know, the goo all on it all the way up to, you know, 
tens and teens and 20, just because it I've experienced it so far where it's just been more fun and more rich and more dynamic. It's caused me to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. It's caused us to grow and expand. So I'm just so excited for that experience all over again. It's so interesting to hear, you know, and I have to say you acknowledge that like birth workers, like as a doula, mm-hmm. I had attended many, many births before my third child was mm-hmm. really the thing and doing it at home. You listen to all these birth stories and it's amazing how many you've gathered on your podcast for people to learn from because mm-hmm. every story teaches you something. Yes. And I love hearing where you are now. And I have to say, Sarah, hearing the intimacy and bringing in a little more sexuality and love. And for me, of course, I'm thinking orgasmic birth. So mm-hmm. how does that feel to <laughs> both of you? Beautiful. It feels, it feels in alignment. It feels like exactly what we've called in with, with who we are, what serves us, what we understand, you know, brought baby here and the intentionality around that and the space held for us to be here. And so I feel like it's an honoring of that to continue it and to like any form of currency, you know, that we are responsible, powerful stewards of it. And so I feel like if this is an incredible thing, that's been bestowed upon us. And so to, to magnify that and to appreciate its value, I'm going to continue, you know, practicing and then being those things that have, have brought me here kind of does a, as a, a way to show what's possible for others too. Cause I know I was able to be where I'm at by walking, by walking in, you know, in the, in the steps of women who have also, you know, taken to the coals and who are, expressing themselves and, and living these bold, audacious goddessy lives. You know, I I've had the privilege to be around other women like that. And so I feel like it's this torch passing, you know, and I feel like birth gives us this, this amazing opportunity to, to show other women what's possible and and what path they can forge for themselves and, and walk in, in, in their, in their splendor of. Yeah. And, and, you know, we very much believe that sexual energy is incredibly significant you know, life force energy and that it, it has the ability to heal, has the ability to create, to manifest. And so not only to create new life, but to, to, you know, create abundance on so many different levels. And so as we've gotten deeper in our own connection with ourselves, connection with each other, as we've expanded consciously in, in how we come to understand and utilize sexual energy, it's become more a part of our of our day-to-day life in terms of, you know, tapping in and being turned on and approaching life from that way, you know, in that orgasmic bliss way. And it doesn't mean, you know, making love every single day and, right. and like moving the energy in that way, but just connecting with it. Because again, it's the energy that, that brings us all into this world. Um, it literally creates. And so that's, that's part of the, the consciousness level up. I feel like we've experienced mm-hmm. um, that we were on that trajectory with Maya, but yeah. over the past six years, you know, we just continue to take it up. It's become more potent. Yeah. And, and we look at, at sex and sexual energy as a component of health, yeah. just like health is physical and mental, which are the two areas I think most people are so used to talking about, but we also look at the sexual as well. And um, so all of those things play into what, when we are assessing where the health of we of, of us as individuals is at as a, us as a couple, we look at all those different um, areas, all those different places. And so sexual is just one of the areas that we address and we address it and we 
we utilize it. I mean, we have a connection every Monday. That's what I was just going to say on a, on a practical logistical sense. If someone's like, that sounds really nice, but what does that look like? Or what do you do with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we we've, a, so for on example, <laughs> on, our, on our calendar are our workout times, right? Right. Two times a week, three times a week, we have spots on the calendar. So we've added on our calendar times for us to connect and move sexual energy every Monday morning before this call, right. you know, and it doesn't always look the same. Sometimes it looks like making love. Sometimes it looks like something else, but it's our time where we get very intentional, where we put the emotions and the things that we're feeling, we acknowledge them, but we also understand we're there to move this energy. So we're able to show up, you know, regardless. And that's been a practice for us to be able to build that that trust within each other that yes, I'm gonna show up into this space as powerfully and presently as I possibly can so that we can tap in with ourselves and connect with ourselves, connect with one another and just move that energy and use it to create and use it to heal and use it to, to experience that state of orgasmic bliss, whether or not we're actually having a physical orgasm. So it's on our calendar and we honor that time. And that's where it's, it's, it happens all the time after we're complete with whatever we're doing, we check our email and we've got some new sponsors who just want to reach, who want to reach out and close a deal or, you know, new sales have come through or things literally manifest as a result of us putting intentions and using that sexual energy to kind of put, you know, the wind in the sails of those intentions. Um, so that's been a maturing that has happened between us um, as we relate to sex and sexual energy over the past several years. And we've, always loved your approach and the way that you talk about it so so freely and openly and beautifully and honestly and um, you've been an inspiration for us as well in exuding that energy and how you know you you bring it to the world and help people to recognize that is that we make things taboo right. that we are all a product of orgasmic energy literally and so let's let's look at it for what it is and remove our own judgments and taboos from it and reconnect with what is such a loving, powerful force. And uh, so thank you for all the work that you do in the space as well. Oh, thank you as well. Your words and sharing so openly your relationship and how you, I love the Monday morning, you know, check-in and really moving that sexual life force energy and how it manifests. I couldn't agree more, right? Yes. So yes. it's been truly a pleasure and an honor to spend this time with both of you. And I know that everyone that's listening, if they're not already following you, they're like, how do we follow you? Can you let everyone know your website, how people can follow and listen to your podcast and all that you're doing? Absolutely. So doing it at home, the podcast is in all major podcast players. So whatever podcast device you use, it's there. And our website is diahpodcast.com. And from there you can find, you know, our socials We're on Instagram at doing it at home and all the great ways you can connect. We have a book on Amazon and yeah, all, all sorts of great stuff you can yeah, connect with there. Doing yeah. it at home. You'll find us. <laughs> I love your name too. Like that was really <laughs> a great one. And so I know I'm sure everybody's thinking, and I am too. One, I want to wish you really a gentle, I hope you get your wish, Sarah, a few hours shorter, but whatever the journey <laughs> is, I hope it's a joyful, pleasurable, love-filled, intimate birth. And I hope that not in the early postpartum, because I hear you, 
managing two little ones is going to keep you busy for a while, but maybe sometime in the spring or when you feel ready, I'd love to have you both come and share your second birth story whenever you feel ready with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We would be so honored. Well, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's joined us. And I wish you a joyful, pleasurable, orgasmic experience. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.